Hello and welcome to the Life Tools podcast. In school, we learned history and algebra, foreign languages and chemistry, but nobody taught us tools for life. How do we deal with self-doubt? What are beliefs and how do they influence us? How do we find ourselves when we feel lost? And how do we make a healthy decision? Many people learn these things much later in life, after three, four, even five decades of existence, and often the hard way. For a few, like myself, I had to learn them very early. I created this podcast to share with you the tools that have helped me greatly in my own life. They're small actions anybody can take that bring big results over time. Let's get to it. Hello everyone, this is going to be the last episode in the parenting series. There's definitely a lot more to say, but I wanted this to cover the most important, most immediately actionable points. Other relevant topics like the theory of attachment or what are HSPs applies to both children and adults, so I will be talking about those in regular episodes. I will continue to talk about children on my other social media platforms, so this is not the end. I am mainly on Instagram and I often post to Facebook from there. I'll include my Instagram name in the show notes if you want to hear more about all things children and parenting, some bits of homemaking because I'm an avid homemaker, and of course, life tools. Even though I'm not a parent yet, I work with children, so parenting and childhood development are things that I study and apply a lot in my daily life. I know I sound like a broken record, but I really think one of the most powerful ways we can change society for the better is to start caring for the well-being of children. That means their physical and emotional well-being, the latter being the part we don't understand very well yet as a society. If we make their well-being a priority, then we will have adults who are physically and emotionally well, and adults who are well are adults who are kind, creative, confident, and in touch with themselves. Since this is the last episode for this series, I wanted to choose a principle that's a bit more all-encompassing meaning that it would cover other principles. So I chose be the example. We have all heard this and we think, well, of course adults should serve as role models for children. Everyone knows this. But knowing something is one thing and applying it is another. Sometimes we only give lip service to something. Other times maybe we walk or talk, but not consistently or only in some parts of our lives, but not others. It's especially important to be aware of this when you're with children because children are very sensitive. They notice and understand more than we think they do. We must not assume that they are oblivious to what's going on just because they're not verbalizing it. I remember when I was a child, I was aware of the huge discrepancy between what the adults around me were saying and what they were actually doing, and also how they often would say behind my back that I didn't understand certain things, although I did. I laugh about it now when I think about it, but at the time, it was a frustrating experience for me as a child. If you think back to when you yourself were a child, you looked up to your parents and teachers and whomever else you were close to. They were your heroes. This is normal because a child is born knowing nothing about this world and completely dependent on their primary caregivers. These primary caregivers are the world to the child. It is through the interactions with them that a child begins to make sense of this big, big world and to feel safe in it. Except that sometimes the world feels confusing and not very safe, like when the words and actions of adults don't match. Here are some common scenarios. 1. 
We tell our child that honesty is important, but when the phone rings and it's for us, but we don't want to talk to the person, we gesture for our child to tell the caller we are not around. Two, we teach them that good habits like early to bed, early to rise, and regular movement are important for good health, but we ourselves work past our limits, regularly burning the midnight oil and not setting aside time for exercise. Three, We demand that children apologize when they have wronged somebody, but when we come home from work all tired and frustrated, we unintentionally take our frustration out on our innocent kids and we don't apologize after because we think we are adults who are doing important stuff and if indeed we weren't very nice, it was for a valid reason. Kids contribute nothing to our world yet so they don't get to have that privilege. Four. We reprimand children when they are impatient or when they throw a tantrum, but we ourselves are prone to temper explosions. Not only this, we think it's okay that we explode given how much stress we are going through, but kids have no stress. They're fed and clothed and they have nothing to worry about in life, so if they explode, it's unreasonable. Side note, if we think kids have no reason to be stressed, then we have forgotten what it's like to be a child and how intimidating and difficult quote-unquote small things can be. Five, we teach children to stand up for themselves at school, but when someone crosses our boundaries, we let it slide, preferring to not have a difficult conversation and merely wishing that the same behavior does not repeat in the future. Six, we want them to understand the importance of doing what they love, but we ourselves are stuck in a soul-sucking job that's killing us slowly but surely. Seven, we wish for them to have a healthy relationship with food, but we ourselves have a love-hate relationship with it, saying how much we love food while also using it to shame ourselves when we have overeaten. You see from these examples that discrepancy between words and actions can occur in different situations. Sometimes we try to teach a certain value, but we don't demonstrate it, as in the examples with honesty and healthy habits. Or sometimes we practice something with ourselves, but we don't offer the same to the child because we think they're not worth it, as in the example of giving an apology and managing one's temper. The third possibility is we try to teach children certain healthy practices, but we ourselves do not practice these things, as in the examples of boundary setting, doing what we love, and having a healthy relationship with food. We must understand that while our words count, our actions count even more. If we want our child to practice self-compassion, then we must practice it first with ourselves. They learn it by seeing us do it. If we want them to honor themselves, we must honor ourselves too. If we want them to respect other people, we must respect them and other people so that they know what respect feels like and looks like. If we want to teach them how to not explode when triggered, we must show them how we manage our own emotions when we are triggered. Whether that's doing deep breathing, stepping away from the scene for a bit, counting 1 to 10, or whatever. This doesn't mean that we must first embody something perfectly to be able to teach it to them, because again, perfection does not exist. The key is to show them that we are practicing, improving, and not giving up on ourselves. Showing your imperfect, work-in-progress self will also serve to teach them that it's okay if they don't do everything right, that they too are works in progress. I see a lot of adults, especially parents, put huge pressure on themselves to appear perfect to their children. I think this is a disservice both to themselves and to children because it is not real. Just think of what heavily filtered photos on Instagram do to young innocent minds. It doesn't serve them in any way. They just end up feeling completely inferior to these perfectly angled pictures and seemingly perfect lives. 
They can't measure up no matter how hard they try. So why would you do the same to yourself and your child? It's healthy to show children that we are not perfect. It's healthy to apologize and say, I'm really sorry I exploded on you. It was none of your fault. Next time, I'll take a short walk before coming home so I can let go of the pressures from work and be more present with you. Being imperfect in front of children does not make us lose our credibility. I would even argue that it adds to it. I think parenting is like getting signed up for a super intense self-development class. As with any close relationship, your buttons are going to be pushed. You will question yourself and you will be challenged. But each trigger is an entry point into self-awareness, an opportunity to look at what's feeding our negative patterns, what beliefs we're holding on to that no longer serve us, and who we would like to be from here on out. We could, of course, also say, screw this, I didn't sign up for this, why the heck is this so hard, why is my child so difficult, etc. But if that's what you've been doing for a while now, check how it's working. I'm guessing it hasn't worked very well. Know that at any point, you have the choice to decide differently. To conclude this series, I have one practice to give us homework and then two recommendations. For the practice, ask yourself these questions regularly. What am I trying to teach my child? How am I modeling and not modeling this thing for them? Are there any areas where I'm saying one thing and doing another? What small change can I make so that I become a better example of what I'm teaching? These are very simple questions, but if you take them seriously, they could completely change the way you approach parenthood or childcare if, like me, you are not a parent yet. For the recommendations, the first one is a new movie that came out a week ago. On the day that this episode is released, it will be the last day the movie is free for the public. It's called The Wisdom of Trauma, and although it focuses a lot on heavy addictions, the word trauma actually applies to everyone. The negative patterns in your life, if you have anger problems for example, that comes from trauma. If you set goals and you always self-sabotage on your way to achieving them, that also comes from trauma. Although the degree of trauma may vary for different people, the mechanism is the same for everyone. It is basically a mechanism of disconnection, and healing that disconnection changes the way we see the world and the way we treat ourselves and others. So do yourself a favor and watch this movie. It will give you a completely new perspective on the human psyche, on society, and what we can all do to create a new, better world. I'll put the link in the show notes. My second recommendation is a much lighter and quicker one. A few years ago, I wrote an article titled What I Learned About Teaching from a Two-Year-Old. A lot of the principles I talk about in this parenting series are actually mentioned there. I have grown since writing that article and some of my ideas have changed but I still stand by 95% of what I wrote there. I recommend you go read that whether you are a parent, teacher, babysitter, or just someone curious about children. I'll post the link in the show notes. That's it for this week and for this parenting series. Next week, we will be back to talking about more general life tools. I hope you enjoy the series. I hope this was helpful. And as usual, if you know anyone who could benefit from it, please do share it with them. Thank you for listening and have a great week ahead. Bye!